0: Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
0: Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. It's back into bubbles. Well, it might be. Uh, and obviously we're talking about super rugby there, so we'll talk about that um, this evening. Hi, I'm Paul, I'm your host today. I'm hoping that I'll be joined by Boa, uh, but he's not on at the moment, especially as another one of the topics is going to be um, player welfare uh, and uh, rugby players' health uh, in uh, post-career um, uh, in particular. Uh, There's also Six Nations coming up um, as well. So, yeah, that's it, really. Super Rugby, Six Nations, Players Health, uh, all of that involved. I've been on some media calls this week, so we'll have a chat um, about those as well. Uh, Don't forget that you can watch the show at 8pm every Monday on Facebook, YouTube, and also Twitter. Uh, You can comment on Facebook and YouTube, um, or you can listen to the podcast. Uh, You can do that uh, on your favourite podcatchers. Just search for New Zealand Sports Radio. Uh, and uh, joining me just um, after the nick of time, it's Bella. How are you doing, sir?
2: Very well, thank you. Well, uh, it feels like it's been an eternity since I was <laughs> last on the show. So uh, uh, great, great to be back. And uh, uh, first of all, let me wish all our listeners and viewers and supporters uh, a very happy new year, very safe and prosperous um, 2022. Hopefully we don't have too many disruptions and we can get on with life as well as the game we love, Rugby Union. And I uh, hope you're well, Paul. I hope you're safe.
0: Thank you. Yes, no, all good here uh, in uh, in the Baines household, hiding out in Waihee, in rural Waihee, We're uh, hiding away from, obviously, uh, people in general. Um, and uh, a little bit different for you up in Auckland, I understand. But yes, Happy New Year, 31st of January and Happy New Year Merry Christmas. Um so <laughs> hope you had a good time off.
2: I have, I have been. Uh, funny enough, today's Auckland anniversary, and I am celebrating it with my big bottle of Lion Red. So I uh, managed to get myself a, a, a swap a crate. Got a really good deal, as you know. Inflation is starting to really hurt uh, us beer drinkers. So uh, yeah, that's no, uh, it's been a you know weird sort of start, particularly from a grassroots rugby competition point of view. You know, because of this whole red light, yellow light, green light, whatever light. Uh it's it has restrictions on what we can and can't do, particularly with uh club rugby as well as uh you know going up to the clubhouse to have a drink. Uh so yeah, it's uh it's been an interesting start to the year Paul, but uh it is what it is and we're just trying to get a move on, particularly uh, with the club season coming up for twenty twenty two.
0: Exactly, say it is what it is, folks. And look, um, please follow whether you agree or disagree with with uh, how things are being done. Please do follow the rules, uh, as uh, as they're laid out. Uh, and uh, also, um, please uh, get yourselves vaccinated as well, folks, and boosted because that's the best way. Uh, that's the uh, most likely way we're going to be able to do things smoothly. I'm not due my booster quite yet. Next week is my uh, I'll be due my booster, so I'll be getting it done next week, but um. Uh, yes, please, folks, uh, do keep up with all of that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, this whole Omnicrom or well, COVID thing as a whole has already impacted uh, Super Rugby. Um, first off, obviously, we've had the rescheduling of the season so that we have the uh, uh, all the New Zealand uh, against New Zealand teams first, including Moana Pacifica and uh, Australian teams against each other, plus the uh, Fiji and Drua uh, first up, but also... Um, we've had a uh, some of the games cancelled already as well. The Highlanders game against the um, uh, Moana Pacifica got was due for Queenstown got cancelled. Um, we've also uh, um, uh, from memory of the Crusaders um, have uh, have moved one of their games uh, or we got cancelled um, as, as as well. I think they moved one of their games. So uh, look, it's already uh, in, impacting uh, that sort of things uh, and. Um, but we did have a pre-season game. I don't think it was on Sky, so I don't think either of us have probably seen it. But um, the Waratahs beating the Brumbies twenty-four to fourteen. I uh, say so i have not seen it. Uh, have you seen or heard any reports from it?
2: I, I have. I've seen the pretty much the entire highlights package. It was a, it was actually quite a good game. I was very surprised at the ability of both teams with the continuity, particularly at ruck time. The recycle rate was very very good. They Actually, hung on to. Um, a minimum of six phases each time they were uh you know in possession which was which is really good um and of course there's a, a a few players who really put their hands up uh surprised me from the waratahs uh, particularly their stand in first five in a barnstorming game um really took the ball up to the right against you know a, a brumby's defense as you know they're very good at rushing doing the blitz getting up in the face and of course, uh, the Waratahs also had a winger on the left wing. You got a, a brace. I think his name was uh, Jimmy Storm. Storming Jimmy Storm. Um, lots of speed, lots of pace. Beat the uh, opponents one-on-one. Um, and, of course, for me, the, the highlight of that game was Waratahs' uh, uh, dominant scrum. Absolutely obliterated the Brumbies um, and won three penalties. Uh, just good Sharp, short drive, nice and straight. Good body position. Really surprised me. So I, I, I think, uh, look, you can't read too much into the form line, particularly with these preseason games. But I really like what I saw with the Warriors, and uh, I think uh, the Brumbies be hurting. And more than anything, they were more surprised than anything else.
0: Yeah, it's. I was on a media call with um, Clayton McMillan, the Chiefs head coach, and I asked him how was he planning on uh, approaching the their preseason game, which as Simon Tell puts in the live chat, they will be on will be on uh, um, Skype well on Prime TV uh, this Friday night. Obviously the first game from one Pacifica. I mean they did have that exhibition game against the uh, New Zealand Maori. or sorry the Maori All Blacks um like two years ago now uh, I think it is or a year um, a year and a half ago. Uh, so they've um, so yeah so but this will be their first one um that, uh, that they've had um and I asked, Clay, "Look, then it's it's going to be three, um, or well, three thirds of thirty minutes, um, rather than the uh, two halves of, uh, of forty, uh, so a little bit longer. And what he he's planning to do is to have, um, basically, uh, two 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 run on teams. Uh, the first one will play the first forty five minutes, and then basically halfway through the second third, um, they'll switch the entire team and uh, put on a second team, uh, a but not necessarily a second tier team, but a second team." Um, will go out entirely. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so, that so that's uh, how they're going to be handling it. So clearly, as you say, it, it's, it's more about giving game, players game time, letting the, letting the uh, head coaches see some of the players in live action than it is necessarily the result. Uh, but um, hey, it can't be bad to get a, to, to get to get a win uh, under their under their um, under the belt. And yeah, look to the right somewhere. Ben Donaldson, as he said, who uh, came on for um, Will Harrison, picking up an injury before the season starts. Not a great start um, at, uh, at that point, uh, obviously at that stage. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's what, so yes, yeah, so it, it is a bit hard to read things into it. Also this coming Friday, um, at, uh, 5.30 is the Highlanders versus the Crusaders. It doesn't look like that one's televised. Uh, Mara Pacifica Chiefs is at 7pm. Then on Saturday, you've got the, um, Blues versus the Hurricanes at 1.35. The Reds were supposed to be playing the Western Force, but I think that has been cancelled because of, uh, Travel restrictions as Simon mentions again in the live chat there. Um, and so those are the games this weekend, or the preseason games um this weekend. Uh definitely be watching the Moana Pacifica versus Chiefs. One might even have a post-match reaction to that game. Obviously, folks, a a little bit longer because of uh, being 90 minutes rather than 80 minutes. Um, but uh um should be a, a good run out there. Um On uh, kind of pre-season and training, because obviously uh, you're being a um, a coach, one of the things that uh, Clayton mentioned that was with um, Whitey having headed down to uh, Taranaki to become their head coach, uh, he has taken over um, the uh, line-out um, section and um, and the Gats and um, Hill are doing the the, the defence with eight All Blacks forward missing, including one hooker and three uh, and three locks um how do you think teams like the like the the, the chiefs will will go early on with things like line-out when they've been missing probably their lineout caller um and, and their first choice hooker uh, it's going to be a bit difficult for that uh, that's a click early on isn't it
2: it is particularly at the level uh, you know first class rugby the intensity is very high uh, there's a, a a big emphasis on individual as well as unit skills so by individual i mean obviously the hooker or the thrower uh the lifters and um also the jumper and uh you know you you need a leader a pack leader making the right calls so usually it's uh, a back row forward um you know we have seen over the years particularly with the All blacks with Kieran Reed he controlled the lineup um, so when you have your key pillars missing what you would tend to do from a coaching point of view is really focus on the very basic simple jump. So that means your bread and butter throw, which is to the front of the lineup at number two. Um, and you just got to make sure that you get the repetition and your combinations right. So therefore, you make sure that you can control your controllables and you don't lose uh, your own lineup throw. And of course, uh, getting some variations and against opposition which have a dominant. Uh, Defensive lineup. Well, by that I mean a very aggressive uh, defensive lineup where they look to actually jump against your ball and steal the ball. You have to look at very simple variations. So over the last couple of seasons, we've seen uh, uh, throws to the front of the lineup, the ball being underarmed into a low catching position. So you know those sort of simple uh, combinations and uh, variations. So, very much, they would be focusing on um, uh, repetition, making sure the variations are simple, and, of course, getting the ball uh, quickly to their back division and giving them time so that they can manipulate the space. So, from a coaching point of view, uh, these are some of the key pointers these first-class coaches look at, particularly when you have your key personnel, um, i.e. your all-blacks missing uh
0: from your starting line. Yeah, you talk about all blacks missing. Uh, the and I say the, the eight all blacks forwards um missing for the Chiefs. Uh I also had a one-on-one interview with um Xavier Rowe. Uh, that is now available for supporters of New Zealand Sport Radio um via the uh, via podcast. Sorry folks having a bit of an issue with the website um at the moment so it's a bit difficult for me to um uh to to uh to, to upload it there but I'll put it in the live chat now uh the link to the um to the podcast with Xavier Rose so it's for supporters only you can support it over at patreon.com forward slash nz sport radio um but um obviously Brad Weber is with the Chiefs he's an all black but he'll be missing he's missing currently um Cortez Ratama has been signed up um so it's he, he has not had uh well this is his first season as in in Super Rugby um and they've also brought in a uh cover for Brad Weber from Taranaki, but again, that player that uh, is is a young scrum half who's had got no Super Rugby experience. So Xavier Rowe, with um, one season of Super Rugby under his belt, is the um, senior scrum half in the Chiefs camp at the moment. I put that to him, um, and he was like, "I don't feel like the senior player," um, and you can understand that having only got one season under his belt. But um, it is starting to show that the that that um, whilst our first 15s or the first 23s uh, or first 15s are, are kind of there, I'll, I'll, I, it, that, that depth now in New Zealand rugby is it's starting to get stretched, isn't it, with these re- really young, uh, inexperienced players um, getting a great opportunity uh, in, uh, um, in, 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 well, in Super Rugby.
2: Yeah, Paul, look, uh, funny should mention that in a couple of weeks back, uh, I was having an um, online um, coach developer session for some of our senior coaches. And interestingly enough, um, some of the some of my peers from around the uh, country, with the other unions, the uh, senior coach developers, one of the one of the issues we actually discussed in depth was uh, the the depth or the lack of. So w- w- one of the key reasons we're actually seeing that the go-to or the second tier of depth for first-class rugby is because most of our uh, senior uh, players who are on the cusp of breaking into the professional ranks. Um, opt to take up overseas contracts for bigger money. Uh, so, you know, this this is a, a bit of a trend. It's a bit of a pattern. And uh, the player exodus, so when the the time where or the age bracket where they actually leave New Zealand for overseas contracts, is now starting to get younger and younger. So for example, we have players who play first 15, very successful, then they play their local clubs, they'll probably get a season or two because there is such a big demand for uh, Kibi uh, players overseas as well as coaches. I have to say that. Um, you know um, this, this is starting to become a bit of a, uh, a bit of an issue now. So we yeah. will start seeing uh, younger players um, in this example with the Chiefs, Xavier Rowe being senior statesman so to speak uh but it does have its benefits because you you know you throw these uh, younger players into a first class cauldron where they either sink or swim uh so it's it's something i think uh NZr high performance are monitoring it's certainly something i am monitoring in my capacity as a coach developer and as a, a coach trainer and educator um so we'll just have to wait and see paul particularly over the next three to four years and of course keep in mind uh, rugby league is is another uh, uh, code snatching um, little uh, setup. Particularly with most of our players, uh, after uh, playing first fifteen rugby, uh, they switch codes and go to the NRL because uh, there's some quality players. And of course, we've got a very high profile NRL uh, uh, candidate coming back into rugby union, Roger tuivasa shek. So uh, this is it. It is an issue. Uh, Something we I think we need to keep an eye on, hopefully, hopefully, most of the younger talent who are given an opportunity actually grab these opportunities and uh, they pick up some, uh, you know, serious minutes and um, experience so that they can convert that into um, on field learning experiences and they can fast track their careers so that when they need to be called up for that next level,
0: they're ready and firing. Yeah, I, uh, I remember li- listening to an interview with Lamapé. Now, obviously that's a few years ago now, but he uh, found when he came out of uh, the first 15, he either was offered a full-time professional contract with the Warriors, or he was offered a, well, next to no money contract as in, a, um, uh, in an academy. Now you can understand why um, people will head over to uh, NRL uh, in that situation. At the moment, we're kind of uh, being protected from that to a certain degree. In that they have to, in the fact that um, the Warriors are being based out of uh, Australia, so players would have to leave home, uh, which might make uh, some of them think twice a bit, uh, and uh, and that lack of seeing family. So uh, perhaps over the last couple of years, that that piece has been hasn't been as as uh, as many um, as 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 we'll see once the borders fully open up. But on the other side of things, you say the younger players who have gone th- who have done, who've got a couple of years of super of uh, say. Uh, NPC and then maybe had one year of Super Rugby under their belts. You look at players like um, Danny Tuasala, uh, who's over in the USA having a great time with um, the, with um, uh, um, Old Glory um, and is uh, been touted as Watson, and I definitely, I, I mean, I've not heard of, uh, I'll see the season's about to kick off, but he has definitely made uh, in, made uh, a, a good impression um, over there. And we've got, with 13 teams in Major League Rugby, uh, that, that's an extra drain on global player resources. You've also got now the Japanese One League, which is trying to actually as well has made the claim of trying to be the best league in the world, which um when you provide no content in English, um is going to restrict your audience and your and your <laughs> and your uh, marketing base. But there you go. Um but so, so they've got some work to do but that's also stepped up as well. So yeah we are seeing more and more players go. So um dr right, so will we see diminishing returns? Um, for the All Blacks uh, with the player drain uh, with the drain of players um, to a certain degree uh, but we're um, also finding that uh, at the moment it's I don't think it's a problem I don't think there's anyone that the All Blacks want um, that uh, they've lost again perhaps Charles Piertel but it is uh, in its ones and twos they've lost not um, significant numbers uh, in, in that kind of uh, area uh, there's the odd player that you've heard Hanson go I wish he'd stayed around He's, but they generally fringe all blacks, not um, not first-choice ones. Um, so so at I, it's not a problem.
2: If, if I can answer uh, put my two cents with nocturnal, that's that's a great question. Look, I think short-term, we're not going to see this, but medium to long-term, it could potentially have an impact. But one area, again, as a coach developer with my senior coaches, I mentor, one of the key areas we're looking at is um, getting senior players um, Understanding and becoming better at the skill of, skill of self-learning, um, it's it's something we have excelled over the last five to six years um, at the All Black and Super Rugby level, and that's consistently why we do better. Uh, but again, that's primarily because most of the players involved had four or five seasons under their belt, um, and there's there's been a lot of learnings which are banked by NZR high performance. Uh, and, you know, people like myself, we focus on educating coaches so they can um, transfer those skills and get some of these players to be better at self-learning. So, for example, skills like uh, the offload. You know, obviously, Bill Williams was a great exponent of it. And that's something which we look uh, to spread right across, right across senior players and get players to uh, learn this act uh, in a self-learning capacity. So, you know, with the pandemic coming in, um, it really forced them to work on their own skills. But because we're starting to see a player exodus, particularly the younger players leaving, uh, this would be a bit of a challenge. So I think medium-long-term, nocturnal, we might actually see a little bit of a, a depletion. But but again, you have to understand the NZR are very clever to put into place strategies to counter this. So, we'll wait and see, I guess, uh, over the next couple of seasons, particularly. After the next World Cup, how this affects with most of uh, the, the the senior players either moving on or retiring?
0: Uh, look, I've been uh, critical of the uh, of a lot of what New Zealand rugby do, um, but one of the things you have to take your hat off to them is yeah, as you say, is 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 managing that All Blacks um, squad and contracts contracts. They do that very well. Uh, they, they keep the vast, vast majority of players that they want, sort of 90 odd percent. Uh, and um, yeah, they're very good at that. Now, I think that has led to them neglecting other parts of the game. Um, but you've got to say at that that's, uh, at that level, um, they have done a great job um, so far. Um, but uh, yes, still question marks as to what's going to happen around the Silver Lake side of things, uh, which will have a big impact on that. But we'll have that's again. Isn't it bubbling under the surface still? Obviously, it's gone quiet relatively recently, but it's been um, uh, but it has been bubbling there. Um, and one of the things that um, that uh, we sort of discussed that I discussed with Clayton uh, um, when he got uh, the when they announced he got the role was uh, so last year was was about that about a third of the players that will play in Super Rugby uh, haven't been aren't centrally on are on part of that first contract a lot now with COVID. Uh, everything I'm hearing from all the coaches, both uh, that I've got access to and stuff that you hear basically um, in, in, in the public domain is they are all expecting uh, some form of disruption due to COVID um, this year. Now, whether that means uh, losing players or whether that means uh, having to bubble down in Queenstown, um, we'll have to see what that means. But it does mean that a lot of the oh, think pretty much all the super Rugby franchises are um trying to have as as deep a or as wide a training squad as they can uh and um the uh, the areas that uh, the chiefs have done it has been majority uh, has been mainly in the in the in the forwards because that's where most of the all blacks are um but i think we're, we're i think they're all expecting some form of um of, of disruption um and this rumor of a, bur- of a bubble down in queenstown um Bo- Good idea, bad idea, trying to um, get, uh, get get all the teams in one place and, uh, and bowled up. What do you think?
2: I think, I think it's very sensible. It's a very practical sort of idea as well. Um, and again, uh, from a logistical point of view, it just keeps the cost down as well. And uh, particularly NZR, if they have to subsidize uh, these high-performance teams, either first-class setup, it just makes things a lot easier. So from a, a practical point of view, I think it's really good. And of course, uh, I uh, I didn't see a news article the other day, the Queenstown mayor coming out and saying, you know, we're right behind this, we're ready, we're waiting, we have plenty of rugby grounds, plenty of gyms, plenty of bars, plenty of pubs. So, you know, from an a economical point of view, it just makes sense. Uh, and of course, with the current rules, and I have to say, you know, i i to so become a bit of an expert at this now, having studied this week in, week out, uh, for the last two weeks, you know, it, it is still extremely confusing. The language around it is um I'm gonna say quite ambiguous. Uh, but I think uh, by having them logistically in a in a you know area of about 10 square kilometers of each other to, to to manage the bubbles, multiple bubbles is is a very clever thing to do. Uh, and of course, it's uh, it, it'll make NZR, uh, in the eyes of the public uh, seem a responsible employer, doing uh, every or taking every practical step, which is which is what basically the red light settings expect uh, employers or reasonable employers to do. So um, I think it's a good move, um, and of course. Uh, you know, it's it's another news item to report as well, uh, and it just it just keeps the interest going. So we'll, we'll wait and see, and hopefully, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, we we won't see this great uh, you know modelling disaster of fifty million cases a day or whatever it is happening in any of these rugby teams getting infected. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very smart, very practical.
0: Um, yeah, look, I mean the uh it's it's of, yeah the queen the queen of to be um for the first month or two okay it's all rumor at the moment there's nothing official has been it, um, announced and it will be obviously, that, that is um uh the, 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 that is tracked now uh yes I, I can see the practicalities of it i'm not sure about the cost side because obviously it's hotels etc have to be paid for so um what you save in travel you probably lose in accommodation but um either way i think for, for players with families with young and with and with we, kids or, or with loved ones that they're not going to see um sort of locking or uh, going into a bubble at the beginning of February uh with a tournament that runs through uh until June uh yeah there's gonna be a number of players who are going to be going to be reluctant to uh to commit to being away from their family for five months um now clearly there are, uh, it's, it's an issue for them because this is how they earn their living, right? <laughs> so, like, so, um, if you don't do that, where's who, how are you going to pay for the checks? But if you are a fringe player, um, who this uh, is not going to get much game time, it's uh, it's got to be some question marks, um, around how that, uh, 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 on that side of things. I think, uh, the yeah, it's going to be difficult to get them to, to get these players to sign up. And now, for the All Blacks, you're signing up for five months for this. Then um, you've got the island piece so does the island and all blacks become a bubble for um, uh, for a month and then do they head off overseas for another one in which case they only see the family for about a month or two months all year. So um yeah, it's good we'll have to see how it all um, uh, how, it, how, it, how, it, how it all plans out. Um, but I think it's uh, to, yeah, going into it at this this, this early in the season uh, with it, with well, uh an extra, it'll be a month yeah right you don't know how long it's going to be <laughs> it could yeah, it could raise
2: be all year. Well, one, one thing i have to say is one thing i have to say is and this is something i'm i'm, I'm a crystal ball gazing because you know part part of my role is as a uh, director of coaching and uh, a uh, coach developer is, particularly with players i always feel calls particularly guys who are overseas who come through the club who come through my club system and you know, uh, mentoring them and always listening to them. And, uh, you know, mental health is going to be a big issue here, particularly with these younger players, these millennials, because, they, they, you know, that's that's what they expect, a certain quality of life with mental health. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're actually quite open to talking about it as well. So it's it's uh, for for some of the older guys it's a bit of a learning process so what, what what the way i see this going down over the next decade is we're going to actually see shorter career spans with most professional players we will see a lot of players actually ending their careers uh, a lot earlier primarily because they they don't want to be committing to uh, biological bubbles every year for let's say 10 to 12 years, it's it's just not going to be practical purely from a mental health point of view. And most of these younger players who have young families, it just means that they're not gonna actually be there physically to see their kids grow up. So this is going to be a huge challenge for high performance, uh, particularly for mental skills coaches, and also how high performance contracts are managed. Um, So my take on this is that, yeah, we will start seeing a uh, lot shorter careers, if this scenario continues where we are battling pandemics year in, year out with different variations at 150 booster shots later or whatever it is, it's, it is is going to have an impact. And I think this is not just unique to rugby. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a pattern for most sports, most professional sports, particularly sports where you have to spend a lot of time on the road to make money and put food on the table.
0: Yep. Now, Nocturnal Rights says a 24-day self-isolation period could wreck a superbug Now, Let's just be careful here about what the um, uh, about about what the actual uh, isolation rules are, because I've heard this 24-day one mentioned a few times, but actually, uh, that, that's just reading it off the website, the on website. The isolation period for COVID-19 cases in the community is at least 14 days, including 72 hours for it symptom-free. Okay. So actually, if you're on your own, that's it's you you get it's 14 days. Um your household team members need to remain in isolation for at least 10 days after you've been released as a case. So that basically means when the twenty when the 24 day thing comes 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 in is that if you're isolating with somebody who who tests positive, when they get released, you have to do a further 10 days. So that's where the 24 comes in. So it's not so, much, so um so yeah, so it's not a it's not a um the 24 thing isn't actually a uh well, we'll, we'll see what 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 it likes what, what what things I'll turn about things. everything will fall apart within six months well we'll see about uh, where um where, 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 how this all um continues from here um one thing is for certain though everything you hear out of every super rugby franchise and out of um, also out of every uh out, out of New Zealand rugby is that the games will be played right they need the sky money <laughs> so, the games come hell or high water will be played somehow, and they will do every single thing in their power to make sure that Super Rugby happens. Um, and then they actually go ahead. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see uh, how um, ha- how this is uh, uh how it's going to get done. Um, so, New Zealand rugby is going to have to make sure games go ahead and they can't allow people getting infected. Well, <laughs> you can't say, Don't get infected, you're not allowed to get infected. It just happens, right, folks? Um, the, what, yeah, one, the Paul, look,
2: what, one thing I have to say is, I think, uh, I mean, having any discussions with world rugby, um, and being part of this whole you know scenarios and undertakings of, of coming up with frameworks, I think it'll come to a stage where you know, if someone does test positive they get stood down everyone else will take a test and whoever tests negative will be allowed to carry on straight away anyone who tests positive they will have a stand-down period but the, the way i see this is it's just going to be a 10-day isolation uh process and in between their in, in a professional bubble they will have multiple tests and if they do test a negative there will be a lesser and lesser stand down time uh, because that's what most professional teams overseas do at the moment. You know, the English uh, Six Nations squad at the moment is 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 having the same situation. Uh, Joe Machan just just tested positive, so he's been stripped down. Again, they have a very uh, simplistic, straightforward protocol. Uh, you know, where they don't put an entire province on in, in isolation. <laughs> they just focus on uh, those who are the immediate most contacts, and they have a very a very simple strict. Uh, testing regime. But again, you know, I don't want to get into this too much because this will all of a sudden sound very political. Uh, But what I am trying to say is, uh, given that I've been part and parcel of most conversations uh, for the last two years, particularly to make sure that we do everything right and keep our players at grassroots level safe, I increasingly see the the goalposts will change. And it's actually...
0: Even on a budget...
2: you going to become more and more practical because uh, you have to understand there are local political uh, goals to be met as well. So professional sport, particularly the national sport of rugby union, is very much in the framework. So I don't think by having wholesale cancellations, anyone is going to do anyone any favours. Uh, so as we uh, roll out, particularly over the next two to three weeks, we will see some significant changes coming in. So fingers crossed. It is what it is. Let's let let let's see Super Rugby roll forward for 2022.
0: Yep, exactly. And they will, yeah, we will have games and folks uh, coverage here on New Zealand Sport Radio. Obviously, we'll be uh, uh, talking about it on the Monday night um, driving mall shows. Uh, we'll also look at trying to set up stand up the uh, the preview shows which we've done before on a Thursday evening, uh, and also do post match reactions to some of the games um, as well. So um, don't forget to keep it here at New Zealand Sport Radio for all your coverage around Super Rugby, um, because we'll be doing that. Uh, so um, some of the other stuff that came up though, as on, on, on that um, uh, they that call with Clayton McMillan that I was asked to that so that uh, one of the people, one of the uh, um, John who's also an South African uh, friend who comes on the show he uh, one of the he asked me to ask him about um, who are the guardians of the um, uh, the chief's of mana although their their culture um, and I was in so I asked Clayton that because it's one of the things that he has let's be honest uh, as credited with with the, uh, their success. Um, last season, uh, and what he's always and what he's done at various uh, various teams. So Shaw Wainui was clearly one of those people um, who was uh, helping grow that. Um, Triple T was another one. So those two have both left the club. Well, see, Shaw Wainui has obviously passed away, um and uh, Triple T has left the club and moved down to um uh, to the Crusaders. So they both won't be there this year. And um, the other name you mentioned was Atu Molly. So I'll be looking at trying to get an interview with Atu Molly, folks. Um, to talk about what 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 how he's seen the uh uh the the, the chiefs minor change and, and grow um, but one of the things he's pointed out now is that it's it's more for everyone um to be part of rather than individual people leading it so um but he talks about behaviors uh, learning the hacker and also having inspirational guests of uh, come in um and uh, and talk about it um as well so um so yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that's uh, that's um all um all pans out. I just thought I'd just touch on that piece, folks, uh ahead of that. Um the that but um, the other thing then I think that's all our super rugby chat unless you got anything else around super rugby bell.
2: Oh, yes, well covered and um, of course uh be interested to see what the form line's like because you know we had some disruptions but the preseason prep I have to say with most of these franchises has been first class and the one player I'm really looking forward to Seeing is Roger tuivasa Shek, Man, he's this guy. He's a machine. He's fit. He's ready. He's got all the ball skills, and I think he's playing the right position at second five. And um, I'm, I'm I'm just super excited. I am so so excited. I think uh, you know RPS is going to be uh, a great addition to Super Rugby, and hopefully, hopefully, move on to the All Blacks level.
0: Well, we'll see if he. Uh... I mean, the number 12 jerseys clearly is, is probably the most problem jersey for the All Blacks currently. Uh, so yes, uh definitely a situation there. Um Christopher Edwards Bailey asks a question. Um, hi guys, do you think New Zealand or Samoa in the men's and New Zealand women's could get relegated from the seven series because they've not played a tournament with relegation back on this year? No. Put bluntly, Um New <laughs> yeah, the the um uh the the uh the um All Black Sevens and the Black Fern Sevens teams will not be relegated for the New World Series. Uh I mean, both as well, the women's definitely champions. Well I think the men might be champions as well in the year that they that they got cut short. So yeah, they so would
2: be, be relegated. Yeah, Chris, that's a really look, it's a very practical question you asked, but the reality is, you know, um these two teams are just two too bigger teams to be just cut out. And and of course there's good reason with the pandemic, travel restrictions. Uh, you know, lack of uh, MIQ rooms and whatnot. So, the, you know, these are all very valid reasons. I think World Rugby understand that uh, and it would be against the morals and their vision. So, no, they're not going to be penalized because uh, New Zealand has uh, very strict COVID restrictions.
0: Yep. Um, and uh, Sam points out that uh, the Asian Rugby World Cup qualifiers this is for France 2023 we played in may ahead of their uh um the uh, before they uh play off against Tonga in july so thanks for giving an update with that simon on that one um oh i guess the other point of uh, other super rugby thing uh and again you can check out my interview with xavier rokes i did ask him about this uh about how what it was like working with joshuani um but uh uh yeah clayton was uh was was, was glowing about um or saying uh, say how, how well he's done um but um uh, he did point out that so uh, with the exception of Sam Kane he reckons that no one in that Chiefs squad uh, is guaranteed a place in the match day 23 they have to earn it um which I think is perhaps uh, I think you can probably also add um, Brody Retallick and Antonelle Brown to that list um that uh, would def- <laughs> as uh, uh, as guaranteed starters but uh, yeah interesting that he that uh, about that but Well, all
2: I have to say is I'm I'm not going to comment on Sam Kane, but I hope Clayton Mack can sort out Joshua Ioanni's tackle technique. He loves to go upright, (laughs) face-on-face, and we've seen a number of occasions. Last season, Super Rugby, uh, we saw what Akira Ioanni did to him. he just completely fended him off. So, hopefully, Clayton Mack can work on that and actually get him to bend his knees, bend his back, (laughs) go nice and low. And hopefully, he doesn't get put on his backside. Apart from that... Great player, and hopefully, uh, you know, and, you know, he's had a few off-field issues as well. And Clayton Max seems to be that sort of guy, you know, he's, he's got that mana and he's got that real, you know, old-school coach characteristic in him. Hopefully, he can sort that out for um, Josh, and we're going to see the best of it.
0: Yeah, well, it looks like it'll be more down to Hill and uh, Gats to um, on, on tackle technique rather than Clayton, as they're doing, as they're leading the defense side of things. But, um, but yes. And I, I mean, that's us be honest, Warren Gatlin's also a person who doesn't take uh, any prisoners. So uh, <laughs> either on that one uh, at all. Um, Christopher, I don't know if they would um, pause relegation uh, if, if New Zealand were one of the relegation spots or what they would do. But uh, either way, the All Blacks Sevens and the Black Fern Sevens would not be relegated. Um, but quite how it would work out for everyone else, I don't know. Um, the... So I just thought I'd talk, sort of mention that one, uh, yeah, and obviously patreon.com uh, f- forward slash Enter Sport Radio to become a member, and then over on um, the old uh, Acast for that show. Now, a topic that uh, you have been working with New Zealand Rugby on a lot is around the um, health of um, uh, of players with your safe tackle framework, uh, etc. Now. Um, uh, I saw something come out that apparently a um, uh, that uh, the New Zealand Rugby Health Report, um, the health of retired New Zealand male rugby players compared to non-contact sports and the New Zealand population, um, had come out. Now I couldn't find that anywhere after through using Mr. Google, um, but um, one of the things that was in this that was in this article I read was that um, rugby players had higher levels of hazardous alcohol consumption, thirty-eight percent for elite, Forty um, percent for community, in retirement, and then non-contact athletes at um, I mean, twenty-five percent. Is this a report that you've seen? And um, do you think we do have a drink, uh, drinking uh, issue, or drinking culture issue within uh, uh, within within rugby? Um,
2: yes, Paul. I, I have seen this report. It was uh, commissioned with the Auckland University of Technology or AUT campus, um, and again, you know, it was. Uh, I thought it was quite an interesting report. To, to answer your question, is there a drinking culture? Well, it really depends on uh, what you define is acceptable levels of drinking. So that's a you know, fairly subjective sort of thing. So in comparison to other sports, uh, yes, there is a, a certain level of uh, consumption of alcohol where you see uh, the statistics are of a higher nature. But then again, if you look at how many uh, senior rugby players there are, in New Zealand, both men and women. About uh, you, look at how many rugby clubs are there, and obviously you look at how many clubs have uh, on liquor license, on-site liquor license. It, you know, you, you got to give this some kind of perspective. Uh, but I guess the the real concern here is that where uh, uh, particularly past players, after after professional level of playing senior rugby, where they use alcohol as a a coping mechanism. I guess that's where. Uh, the crux of this report is looking to go at. I'm not going to go too much into this detail because, you know, we'll probably have to take overnight talking about it. Uh, My opinion is there needs to be more awareness and education in and around this, Uh, but that can be said about a lot of things in context sport. Uh, And we're starting to get more and more aware of it. Now there's a model as an educator I have come up with. It's called the AEIOU. A-E-I-O-U, it's the majority of the vowels. It's nice and simple. A for awareness, E to educate, um, I to integrate, O to outreach, uh, and U to unify. So, so so once we are aware that there is a situation we, want, we need to try and educate. We gotta simplify this and make sure that we get the message across and it's really in your face. Um, then we look to integrate with uh, particularly past players Alumni with clubs, because as you know, after a game, where most people would go to have a communal a drink, is at your local rugby club. So again, we have to try and integrate and educate these people on what acceptable uh, recreational alcohol uses. Yep. And then of course, uh, if there are people who have issues, issues, we want to try and outreach, and we need to have, uh, we need to put in place a mechanism. Where uh, they can feel that they can come forward and, you know, in a safe environment, openly have a discussion. And of course, once all these uh, segments are met, we unify as as a as a nation, as as provincial unions, uh, grassroots, and we start sharing this information. So, look, it's um, it's it's a bit of a shame that this it took this long to. Uh, you know commissioner reported uh much like those things in be beat concussion high head shots uh you know it's i guess it is what it is uh but yes there is merit to this but what i would like to see is rather than look at the short end of the stick we actually need to put in place uh, a framework where we can actually look at educating people and actually come up with a common denominator saying look this is what we would accept or expect as an acceptable level of alcohol consumption. But again, you know, we don't want to get into this nanny state as well because we've seen plenty of that over the last two years. Uh, next thing you know, you're a past player. You might need a, a alcohol consumption passport. So, you know, this is something I, yeah, I, I just think there needs to be a lot more uh, discussion. And uh, it, it's all about education and awareness, which is probably lacking for a better choice of words in the current context
0: now look I, mean, I don't want to try and become uh sort of uh sort of being sanctimonious or anything about this look um i'm having a beer um Bella's having a beer while we're doing this show and we enjoy a drink so come on so um so look, this is not a um from that point of view uh i i go along to why rugby club and enjoy a beer after after the, after a video of the game um i think we important things here as you say um let's get uh is this is about the problem drinking rather than the um recreational or acceptable um, level drinking and B. Also, make sure that for those who don't want to drink, uh, that that's acceptable in that environment as well. And as long as we have those two things, I think we we will be in a better place. But uh, yeah, so clearly, look, it's an issue um, that, uh, that that needs some looking at. Um, the uh, look drink having a lot of beer on an occasional basis isn't necessarily. I, I personally don't believe it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's when it becomes um, no, it says it hazardous. So when it goes bad for your health, when it become when it when it impacts um, your your family. In your social life and, and your drinking to, to excess—that's the, and uh, that's where the problem comes in. So, as I say, f- far from us to say that yeah, that all drinking is bad. <laughs> no, that's not, um, not. Don't don't think we're trying to put that across. Um, whilst I was searching for uh, around for that report though, um, I came across another report which um, is out of the UK. Um, again, mental health and well-being um, of retired and amateur rugby players and non-contact athletes. But um, this is a UK one. Um, and uh, some pretty scary things in uh, this one where retired elite rugby code players uh, scored consistently worse for psychological signs of depression, anxiety, and irritability when compared to amateur rugby code players and non-contact. Um, yeah. The uh, uh, And, and uh, re- uh, elite players also um, reported higher number of uh, sports-related concussions. It's all about retired people, folks, um, or, or stopped playing. Don't think over 60s, um, think over 30s. Uh, sorry, um, over, well, over mid-30s. Um, also sleep sleep disruption was uh, uh, also higher amongst um elite rugby players compared to amateur um and uh, non-contact um, and uh, the history of um uh, three or more concussions was also significantly higher for um uh, the uh, for the for those uh, um, elite athletes um one in five elite rugby code athletes reported they couldn't they um they would not seek help from anyone if they had a problem or were upset and that's an issue that I think is the, the the scariest of those. There is, folks. Please do reach out. Uh, I've had, I have, and I have had mental health issues, um, and uh, and, uh, and and need help and see a doctor on a regular basis. So uh, do reach out, folks. Uh, but um, look, that three or more concussions uh, being higher is exactly what you're trying to avoid with your um elite uh, your safe tackle framework, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Look, Paul. One
2: thing I have to say is, look, with with contact sport, um, and, and uh, over the last sort of four to five years, uh, pretty much on a daily basis with some of my players who come through the club system, my role has been sort of, uh, you know, be like their shrink on the phone, you know, talk some of these matters through. Um, you have to understand, in, in any professional sport, there's only less than 5% of all players who actually really crack it financially. That's just the reality of it, Okay. Uh, And in in the pursuit of success, and, you know, success is defined in a number of ways, but more so economically as well as financially, uh, players are willing to do extraordinary things, put their bodies on the line and endure, uh, you know, physical uh, pain, um, you know, and, and really push themselves to the edge. So, where some of these mental health issues actually come through is this when you start falling into that 95% desa, particularly at the professional level, you fall into the lower percentile where you actually start questioning yourself is the return on my time and investment actually worth it? Because I mean I was, you know, I have a number of conversations and one on players, James Haskell, the retired um English um back rower. You know, some you know he's, he's publicly stated that sometimes he has to spend up to two, three thousand pound just on uh, cortisone injections to numb the pain. Um And if you recall, you know, famously he came out and said he was on a twenty-six thousand dollar contract when he was in the Otago Highlanders. So again, you know, this is the reality. This is the reality. You know, uh, most fans would see the tip of the iceberg where you know they, they they have this assumption that most of these players are on top dollars. They're not. I can assure you that. Only less than five percent who actually make seriously big bucks, and it's a doggy dog world out there. It is ruthless, you know. There's it's, what's that movie? No country for uh, old men. Same sort of thing, you know. You have to be really willing to push yourself right to the edge, and that takes a toll, more so mental than physical, because the mental scars you cannot see, the physical scars you can, because you're <laughs> limping around, you're hurt. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's again, we come back to the education awareness. And I think the, the, the professional sport needs to put in place uh, more emphasis, particularly with coaches and coach developers, coach educators, to to train players. Uh, because, you know, particularly at the elite level, most of the emphasis are, is on physical training. You know, when the heat is on, we look at focusing on players, uh, on how they cope physically. But the mental aspect is often neglected. And most people don't actually know how to train their players and prepare their players mentally to handle the heat. So, these are learnings. And I just find that, you know, unfortunately, it's a bit late in the play. But, you know, you can't change the past. But going forward, hopefully, uh, world rugby and the professional players' unions around the world put in place to make sure that most of these past professional players don't fall in between the cracks and take up substance substance abuse, and, and some of the, the, the real negative, uh, you know, subversions are domestic violence, um, you know, um, and and you know obviously drug abuse. Um, so you know it's a real problem. So I mean I have a lot of ideas and frameworks around this, and this is something I've been working on. And I, I and I guess the next three to four years, me personally. That's where I see myself getting involved in rugby, more so from a game development and player protection framework.
0: For my mind, uh, it, it, it's, I'm amazed, amazed that each of the Super Rugby franchises, at, at least that level, don't have a, um, probably two sports psychologists on the books. Um, I think every other um, player, uh, sorry, every player should have a meeting with a sports psychologist at minimum every other week um and, uh, and uh, if if uh, that that way if they've got something they need to discuss there is there's less of a stigma about going to the person right because they've got an out half an hour or an hour slot booked in that they have to turn up for um and if if they've not got anything uh negative to discuss then they can talk positively uh, about how did you prepare mentally for games how do you do um various uh visioning the night before um so you sleep well how do you do and that you arrive with a positive mindset or the negative mindset uh and all those sort of pieces so to my mind uh that 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 should be a bare minimum that the that the super rugby franchises and that some um, all of the uh your kind of viva premiership teams um etc should have uh that uh, every other week um you, you you see a sports psychologist for half an hour um the uh now that's uh I, i've whilst I've, I've heard of various sports psychologists having some sort of input i've never heard of one being embedded to that degree um now maybe maybe that's just because i don't talk about it but um i've never heard of it being mentioned uh but so um, but that, that's what i think is, is 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 required as a minimum um moving on then from that oh, actually the uh, you're talking about hobbling there i think the 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 report also mentioned something about uh, um, some sort of arthritis that every that uh is a higher rate of arthritis in rugby players. Um, but it also, importantly, folks said that actually the overall general fitness uh, and the overall community piece you get out of rugby outweighed the uh, the negative physical at- uh, pieces to it. So do um, look. whilst we are pointing sure. out some of the health issues, there are lots of health gains, both mentally and physically, um, that you get for playing playing rugby um, at a community and at an elite level. Well, there's, there's
2: actually a very simple fix in my view for uh, particular professional elite players is that they have mandatory insurance both for um, uh, mental and physical post-career well-being where you have certain policies which cover certain areas. And I think this is a very simple fix where every player who's contracted centrally with their uh, union, with the national union, in this case NZR, there's a, a, a standardised policy which, co- which is... Uh, self-funded through the union for at least five years after they exit the professional game. And and you you will see that this this will actually have a massive impact, particularly physical injuries. And also, given that we're now starting to talk about psychological injuries. And of course, another example I can give you is in the American sport, they have what you call sport chaplaincy. So, lots of sport chaplains, they have a chaplain with the team where they have a very structured approach to this and I've uh, in fact I know uh, a local chaplain who is involved with US sport and you know, it's a wonderful thing, uh, particularly with most of our Polynesian players locally who are quite religious. Um, you know it has a very profound effect. So these are simple techniques I think which can go forward. And I think having in place uh, you know insurance policies quite literally for these players, particularly after they retire. It's
0: going to be a real game changer. Cool. Now, to finish off, folks, we've got the Six Nations coming up this um, weekend. Uh, Three games, as you always get on a (laughs) Six Nations weekend. Um, Kicking off, we have Ireland versus Wales at 3.15 a.m. New Zealand time on Sunday, um, followed by Scotland versus England at 5.45. So two cracking games um, in the early hours of Sunday morning that I'll be aiming to get up for uh, and watching on Sky Sports 1. Um, and then, with it being White Tangy Day, I don't have to work on Monday either. So France versus Italy at 4 a.m. on Monday morning uh, is also there. One that I might actually um, watch on, uh, um, re- watch the recording of rather than live. But um, Ireland versus Wales and Scotland versus England are um, probably going to be t- the first two live games of rugby I watch this year. Uh, to- actually, no, sorry, Friday night. Um, well, I've got Moana Pacifica versus the Chiefs. So that would we- so be the second my, th- my second and third live games. Of the year, um, so looking forward to that. Uh, obviously, I've not been keeping track of players, but some um, Owen Farrell is out injured for the entire six nations. Um, I think Alwyn Jones is also out early on, um, as, as, as well. Uh, so a few players missing, and there always are post Lions Tour years, but um, uh, some cracking rugby, uh, um, yeah, this, this weekend, bro. Absolutely, look, three key things I'm looking at. I
2: see as four number one, um, in the Welsh game. <laughs> Hopefully, there are no red
0: cards. Hopefully, we know what you know Wales won't pick up a red card because that's just not that's just okay. how it happens. It's Ireland that it does. I, I, was, I was texting Wade like, saying, Oh, you know, hopefully, you won't need a red card.
2: <laughs> uh, number two in the English squad, I have to say, there's two players I'm looking forward to Sam Simmons, 75 first class tries in 100 games, cracking player, and of course, the new kid on the block, Alex Dombrant with the Harlequins. Great, great player. So, I think we've got some terrific players, particularly in the back row there. And lots of competition. And a bit of changing the guard. And I think the best thing to happen for England, and again, I'm not trying to uh, highlight the one man's misery. Owen Farrell being unavailable for the entire tournament. That opens the door for George Ford. George has had a tremendous form. Um, and I was very surprised that Eddie Jones didn't, in fact, pick him. Uh, and I think Owen Farrell is doing England and the Game of Rugby Union a massive favor because his, his tackle technique is terrible. It is suspect, and uh, you know we'll talk about we'll be talking about his bad tackles more than anything else. And of course, France get uh, ten players back, including uh, Intermac, as well as their uh, stunning halfback. So I think they'll get full complement, and I'm expecting France to pick up where they left on their form line and absolutely thump Italy. Um and a big question Marco, Italy, if they really don't start performing, you've got to ask yourself a question, what on earth are they doing in Six Nations? They don't actually add any value, I think it's time they actually went back to those six, uh, Five Nations, or if our mates from uh South Africa are really willing,
0: they should be included <laughs> So hence, uh, one of the headlines on the uh, Stuff website, Six Nations Boss Sees Little Appetite for Springboks Inclusion Yes <laughs> Okay, oh, and, and remember, there's a new trial scrum law which
2: is called the break foot. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll be very simple in how to explain this. There's been a lot of talk about this thing called axial loading on the hooker's neck, center of the scrum. What axial loading means is that when the hooker has both his feet or her feet uh, together, there's, there's, there's a, a enormous amount of pressure, uh, pounds per square inch on the neck. And we've seen some serious injuries. So what a break foot means, this time when both scrums have to engage before they uh, go into the hit, the hookers need to put a break foot. So one foot towards the opposing scrum. So imagine uh, if these are uh, this is your left and this is your right foot, the left foot. Now, now, for example, I feel very sturdy on my left foot. I would put my left foot forward and actually get into the squat position where it doesn't have complete axial loading on your traps and neck area. So it's going to go down onto that quadricep muscle on the left.
0: Okay. So um, I guess one of the things, so the axial loading basically is one of the things that they tried to get rid of this was to say that the um, hookers couldn't put their head, couldn't have their heads couldn't have contact with the opposition um, during the um, crowd, uh, during the bind call. And they weren't allowed to actually make contact until um, uh, set. Um, because what happens is on the bind call is that the hooker puts their head on the opposition hooker's shoulder or, or even on the head itself, uh, and the whole weight of the scrum goes through their neck, pushing the other scrum back through that hooker, hooker's shoulder is kind of the idea. Uh, now, if you get that wrong, <laughs> that's a lot of weight through a neck and causes problems. If you get it right, um, then you win the scrum. And, if, um, and, and having listened to a hooker, um, a professional hooker uh, doing an hour-long interview during one of the um, uh the on uh, the rugby dungeon podcast that j b does uh, one of the things he said was like if you don't axle load you lose the scrum so you have no choice you have to do it uh, if you want to if, if the opposition are doing it so um so we need to get we need to get out of the out of the game because it is dangerous particularly um at the uh, beneath the elite level um the where, where the strengthening and conditioning around the neck is much is, is, is definitely lower um but um yeah it's a dangerous thing I'm skeptical as to whether putting the other foot forward. If you don't, um, uh, it, it, there is obviously you have to wait on it. Otherwise, it's purely pointless, but we'll have to see. It's um, uh, the, I'm sure the teams will work around trying to find a way to axle load because, as I say, it wins the scrum.
2: Look, Paul, look, this, this constant tinkering of the rules is driving me nuts. I think it's just ruining the game. What, what really should happen is, you know, keep simplify the scrum. One, two, three, you engage and you drive. But you just gotta make sure that everyone drives nice and straight. So it's the, the emphasis has to go back on how you prepare and what your technique is. Get nice and low. And the referee just needs to keep it really simple. So whoever drives nice and straight, soon as you start seeing a slight bit of movement, so long as the body position is nice and you you, you know your neck and shoulders don't drop below your hips. Uh thing is fine i think it's just constant every year we some see something new now next year for, you know might see um, um i don't know space age boots coming into it and is, for me it's just absolute madness you know it's constant tinkering it's it's actually causing uh uh you know real uh, real problems in the game or we do what we did in rugby league and just completely get rid of the scrum just bang ball goes in and you know you encourage the game to be faster but then you know all the but, purists will pick up arms
0: and say, "Oh, you know how could this happen?" Well, in that the, problem game? The, the problem with that is you then you then end up with props who are who are faster and you know, have less space on the pitch. Um, and uh, so, but the um, to me, I, I don't see why the why the front rows don't engage first, and then the locks and then the locks bind, and then the, then the the back row bind. That way, you get rid of the hit from uh, from it. Um, but there you go. That's my um, that's my one. Um, the uh, as Dr. I said, yeah, who would give 20 seconds for formation, penalty kick, for tidiness. Look, that's a separate issue around timing and, and loss of time due to um scrums, but you quite but yes, that is that is another issue that needs to be uh needs to be sorted out as well. Um, and I thought, again, the more ball in play time we get, the more time players get, the more space we'll eventually get as well. So it's and then it also means that players have more cardio if it's in more if, if the ball is in get play more, which means less strength conditioning which means slightly slightly um uh, not as hard car crash collisions which means hopefully players getting hurt less lots of theories lots of nice things to think about and knock on and uh, knock on effects of different rulings but um yes we're just uh uh li- l- listing our bunch there and um, i think we probably could go through a uh, spend another half hour just saying how how all these different things impact each other but um boa we have come to the end of our time. Great to have you back on. Happy New Year, sir. Uh, do stay safe up there in the uh, in uh, up in Auckland, and uh, hopefully we get uh, some. Well, I'm expecting to be super, seeing Super Rugby. Hopefully, we'll be able to get back to some of those games as well. But uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, sir.
2: Oh thank you. Um, and look, uh, like I said, I hope everyone has a great New Year, and we see some uninterrupted rugby. We see some good running rugby with uh, my wish for the new year. I'm going to say less water breaks, less walking to lineouts, more ball in play. Uh, and, you know, less referee issues. If, if, if I think we meet those four criteria, I'm going to have a cracking season. And uh, I am actually looking forward to six nations because, um, you know, first time we see some proper test rugby life. Uh, so yeah, all power to them. And, uh, you know um i wish all our viewers listeners and supporters all the best and a great twenty twenty
0: two thank you much. That, folks don't forget that's um uh that's interview with um Xavier Rowe exclusive for supporters of the uh um of the show available over there on ACAST link in has been in the chat um become a support at patreon.com for slash NZ Sport Radio uh and uh, see you all Um, Hopefully we'll do some post-match reactions to a couple of the uh, Six Nations games and maybe also moana Pacifica versus the Chiefs. And we'll be back here at Monday 8pm next week.